Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone. So game week six has ended and it was quite an unusual one with key assets across the board exploding, some owned, some not, throughout the weekend leading to the midweek ranks. Well, violently rollercoastering up and down, I'd say, return by return, culminating in Newcastle's riotous 8-0 victory over the blunted blades of Sheffield United. That meant a red arrow dispatch for any non-owners of a Newcastle player, I'm sure is the truth. I'm Tom, I'm here, but no beer this week because I'm still recovering from FPL Meets on Saturday. That was a good day, a good evening as well. I'm interested to hear if I'm more lucid or not. Um, sad though, Sam, without the booze, I'm actually starting to think, you know, and, <laughs> hear the thoughts and, you know... Uh, yeah, anyway, no, clearly I'm not more lucid without the beer, without the booze. There you go. And Sam's back. Any uh, references to Saturday um, will involve a lot of alcohol. So if we're at all rusty today, I do apologise. But hopefully because neither of us will be drinking through this pod, our thoughts will be fairly fresh if uh, our minds are not so, so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we both were at FPL meets on Saturday. We both seem to enjoy ourselves quite a lot. I think you left a little bit earlier, but... I did. I wasn't far behind you, so uh, yeah. the the Sunday The Sunday matches didn't feel too good on a hangover. With like you say, quite a lot of the highly owned assets that I didn't own doing quite well. So that was a bit of a, a ropey day on Sunday, but definitely worth um, all of the the fun of Saturday evening. So yeah, hello. We are who got the assist. On today's pod, we're going to be talking a lot about FOMO. So how do we manage this? Some of the potential FOMO busters for the next couple of weeks, especially if you're one among us who are looking at wildcarding around game week nine or game week 10. Um, And then, of course, the ultimate FOMO in Mo Salah from game week nine, especially onwards, the butterfly effect of moves that some of us already made, including myself and you, Tom. Um, have already potentially sealed our fate slightly. So we're going to be having a look at how that might be affecting us in weeks to come uh, before moving on to bowl claims once again, some listener questions. So thank you all for them. And we'll have a look at our teams before we move into game week seven. Uh, Just for anyone listening, we're recording on Monday, the 25th of September. So hangovers are luckily gone now. (laughs) Uh, An old school weekend, no matches on Monday today. So the game week is over and done with so we can talk about game week six and everything that went down over the weekend in full capacity yep 
good, good, good. Right, uh, scores and doors. Let's see how we have done. Uh, who is first? Oh, it's me. Well, I think the first thing to mention is that neither of us have a green arrow this season. Not one between the two of us. It's pretty pathetic, especially as we both run a podcast. Mm. <laughs> and what can you say? I got 77 this week, which is not a bad score by any stretch of the imagination. I took a hit. I did bring in Alvarez as I was discussing with Nick on the last pod. I also brought in Trippier. Uh, I basically had a choice between Saliba and Chilwell. And I, I told myself, you know, there's a good chance Chilwell's going to play because Madrid wasn't great last game. And lo and behold, obviously, Madrid did start and Chilwell came on and managed to get himself a yellow card as well. So zero points for him. Luckily, he matched with Doggy, who you played. Um, but I think I'd have got a green arrow if I'd sold Saliba because I'd have played Kabore, uh, who was on my bench, uh, first bench, and he got an assist for a penalty that Calvin Morris scored. So um, very, very kind of fine margins there, I suppose, uh, with everything it was all really kind of looking a bit dodgy on Saturday evening. Uh, but on Sunday, Son with the brace, Saka with the goal and assist, and then the Trippier show uh, with the three assists and the clean sheet. Max bonus and off a little bit earlier as well. Sweet 69-minute substitution. Um, very, very um, you know, rescued uh, what was looking like a plummet past the 2 million mark uh, to kind of around the one point. Uh, kind of, I basically kind of dropped 30k places, which is nothing really at the moment. But I think you know, the main story really, same for you, I think, Sam, was that literally everybody else that you could, like all the other rank threats did something. So Matoma, Salah, Madison, Bruno Fernandes, uh, Botman, who I didn't own, um, all of the players who could really damage my rank also went on and got double-digit hauls. So despite the fact I carried four, well, three actually, of Holland doesn't count with the, with the captaincy, um, I didn't, didn't get anywhere, um, which is a little bit kind of uh, frustrating. Uh, but hey-ho, uh, we, we continue. We, we keep moving, I suppose. So yeah, no green arrow for me yet. Uh, still marooned around kind of the 1.7 million mark. But I, I've still, as I was saying to Nick last week and to you the week before, I'm, I'm still not particularly interested in wildcarding just yet. What about you? How did you get on? Yeah, so a couple of points less than you. 74 uh, with the hit as well. My first hit of the season, uh, leaving it at a net 70 overall. I did bring in Trippier for that 18 points like you. Um, I sold Chilwell, so I did avoid that. But starting a doggy, like you mentioned, didn't pay dividends at all. I did have a last minute flutter with starting Kabore, but... I just fancied I fancied the quality of a doggy over Kabore in any fixture. Kabore with um, the assist, obviously, a little bit annoying, but at least that gives me a good enough reason to start him in double game week seven uh, because I was worried that maybe he might not be a good starter for even then. Um, elsewhere, Foden was my only other difference, I believe, to your team. I obviously got the goal, got the max bonus, um, but Son outscored him with two goals. So you are catching me up a little bit. We're probably almost at identical ranks at the moment, yeah, not that we're really be. checking. Um but again, like you mentioned, no green arrows for me either this season so far. Very, very frustrating. And each week I'm getting a little bit more and more twitchy with the wildcard button. But I look at my side and I think genuinely there aren't too many problems there right now, mm. especially with the fixtures to come. So we'll go into our, how our teams are shaping up ahead of double game week seven. Uh, neither of us have Morris in situ at the moment, which we'll be discussing. But generally i don't think the team's looking too bad i think game week six was what was one of those weeks where a lot of very dangerous players went big and yep. 
equally, there are a lot of other, especially midfielders, that are just as likely to go big. The Embuemo, Sterling's, okay, arguably Sterling, maybe not as likely, <laughs> yeah, um, but well. have that explosive potential in them that didn't go big. And you could have easily found yourself with the wrong five, the wrong combination yeah, of yeah. builders. And it seemed like one of those weeks where I was looking through X and it was just a sea of either euphoria or devastation with very little in between. Yeah. So um, my condolences go out to you. If you did have a rough game week six, the season's long, you can get back on that horse. Um, and hopefully that variance will swing in your favour once again next week and, and beyond. And fingers crossed that it finally favours us with a green arrow soon, Tom. Yeah, certainly. I think it was when with Newcastle result, particularly um, if you were without one, because it was like you know, if you bought Shah in mm. this week, you can count yourself uniquely unlucky. So you burn Botman and also Trippier, of course, got the double digit, double digit returns. So mm. yeah, it's one of those where uh, yeah, if, if you got 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 the best lottery ticket you possibly could you're probably looking at over 100 this week um but on the other side of it you i've still see a few people kind of with 50s and 60s um and yeah what can you say these things happen <laughs> basically um, and yes, exactly so i guess you know you're here again looking at oh who do i bring in next you know how, how do i kind of look at what's going on uh, with um my team and trying to uh, ameliorate the position i find myself in We've seen this week after week after week, haven't we, Sam? Uh, with uh, you know the pattern being Bumo in, of um, for you that was um, Foden in in game week, game week three, uh, yep. followed by Sterling coming in, then Son coming in, last week Alvarez in. Um, I, I think I stand by pretty much all of those this week with Alvarez. I mean, that's just X red card. I mean, how are you ever going to um, quantify that one? Uh, but the last three or four weeks do feel so FOMO heavy. Um, FPL General on his uh, fifth Night minute podcast uh, reference kind of this being the, the the season of FOMO a little bit just because of how bad the kind of the, the grinding gears of moving in every player who has done something well um, have kind of spat out negative outcomes for the majority of us. I mean, it's, it's clear that there's um, a whole sort of rump of us who are all the same sort of level. Um, and those who've been able to resist the FOMO or at least try to think ahead of the FOMO um, have done very well for themselves. Uh, Joshua Biggs asked us uh, to start us off. A big chunk of the community keeps finding itself a week behind on picks. Players like I've referenced, Sterling, Alvarez, and this week Trippier being key examples. How do we start identifying these guys early? I mean, to be honest, if we, if we knew the answer to that, I don't think we'd be, uh, you know, we, we'll be as doing as badly, right? But it's certainly been quite a FOMO-heavy season, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it, it's easy to get sucked into some of these players because we know that they're explosive. We know that they've got that potential to haul. And then when they finally do go off, Son being a, a great example a few weeks ago, you you see him, you know he's got the potential to keep going off being used in a different position as well in his case and it's really easy to just get suckered in bring those players in straight away obviously son is a bit of a unique example didn't explode the following week but then in game week six did go off again even against arsenal so i think with any of these players son sterling trippier as well being a, a great example the fixtures do hopefully breed that form. And I think getting ahead of the template would mean almost looking at those fixtures ahead and trying to find a player that you think that the fixtures are going to favour. And Son, we probably could have seen coming if if we took that panoramic view beforehand, looking at the fixtures. I don't think many of us expected him to start 
up front necessarily, but Spurs were coming into a great run of fixtures and bringing in one of their players even before they started hitting form would have probably been a good idea. A lot of us brought in Madison, for example, beforehand. So I think it's fair enough that you go for the safer pick there. Um, Alvarez as well. City did have good fixtures for quite a run. And with him, it was the case that all of a sudden he's getting 90 minutes and for the value he's at, that's that's great. And I still don't think he's going to be a bad transfer in. Hopefully he'll continue to get good minutes. It was just slightly unfortunate not to not to get anything against Nottingham Forest. The game changed significantly when Rodri went off and then obviously he came off shortly afterwards as well. So I think trying to look trying to look past the immediate um the immediate performances after you bring in these players and look with a longer term view will be important in some of these cases. Son being a great great example of that. Some of them don't pay off and haven't paid off so far Sterling being one, but I think there's still time with Newcastle defence, for instance, with Alvarez, with Son. And just because they didn't pay off in the first game week after we all bought them in doesn't mean that they're not going to be good picks. And trying to take that panoramic long-term view will be helpful for not only our FPL scores, but also our mental health. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I like just to pick on a couple of kind of turns of phrase there. Like the fact that you're saying that we all brought them in, like our mental health and things like that, like using yeah. the collective. I think that's definitely kind of speaks to the psychology, I suppose, of, of what fear of missing out actually is. Like it's actually a relatively new phenomenon in terms of the academic record. It's about kind of responses to social media. I'm sure, you know, back in the day, even if it was just kind of your friends, your family, your network, when you were using your landline phone to call other people, um, it, you still had FOMO, you know, keeping up the Joneses and things like that. Uh, but FOMO, these days is as we as you probably kind of guess is sort of a negative emotional state resulting from kind of social relatedness and those sort of unmet needs that you've got so it can exist kind of in the short term so it can be something that kind of crops up in a conversation so you can say sam you know oh, i've got enough money this week to buy this player and i'd be like oh i can't get that player oh suddenly you know it kind of generates a little kernel of doubt in me um, and there can also be a long-term thing as well, where you kind of you know, have you're envious of an individual. So you, know, you follow someone on Instagram, like, oh, I really hate them, but I kind of want their life, like the cure. Why can't I be you? Um, <laughs> and yeah, I guess with social media, you've got so much exposure to what people are doing. And in FPL kind of terms, you can see that kind of writ large because you see what people are doing. Um, you kind of hear a little bit about the thought processes and you also see kind of the evidence of their decisions in terms of their overall rank. And there's this sort of continuous kind of uncertainty within yourself um, about whether you're doing enough um, and if you if you are where you should be in terms of your rank. And a lot of the time with a player, with individual players, you do get that sort of sense of FOMO. Which you're kind of thinking, oh, God, you know, um, you know, uh, export in son last week well you know, he's a really good player maybe i should um, you know, be part of that and get get involved with those sorts of things um, and and there's certainly this kind of need to belong uh, which is what fomo sort of generates and you know we talk a lot about kind of moving with the herd and herd mentality and i think fomo is kind of a, a very similar sort of effect has a very similar effect to that because you are just trying to cover yourself off effectively and, and ensure that you are part of the herd you're not missing out on things but in a, in a game like this we have um created as i mentioned earlier that sort of big rump of people <laughs> who are just all sat in kind of one homogenous blob and i was saying it to you at meets i think and a few other people mm. that I've, I've started to get a bit um a bit annoyed at myself for being um so cautious for the moves i'm taking 
I can understand exactly why I've done them. No points are never boring, but if you do this before Alvarez went off, by the way, it was not kind of a, a, a knee jerk to Alvarez. But I was thinking, oh, it is kind of quite tiresome that I keep doing these sorts of moves. Um, but I guess sort of Trippier was a bit of a thing. Um, but I, I kind of come back to what I said last week about kind of see this being a bit of a season of moments at the moment, where you need something like um, our mate Fran, who was at um, the meetups at the meetup on uh, Saturday, having that kind of Sterling and Gusto thing in game week three, where something you've got kind of first unique points and everybody else before the crowd come in um, and and this week we were we were hoping it would be the case of trippier and we were both praying for a goal to go in you know, <laughs> after he went off but hey there you go I mean, do you kind of characterize fomo as being a necessarily bad thing because academically it, it kind of is but I, I think there are some protective elements aren't there which can be positive yeah, I think in a game like FPL, we actually have a measurement for FOMO now, and that's effectively effective ownership. If you look at the effective ownership week to week, that is almost a direct correlation with who do I have the most FOMO of now and looking at a player or knowing and predicting what a player's effective ownership will be in the week ahead actually is the thing that probably scares me the most about any player, especially if I know them to be explosive. Now, that is a that is ne- definitely a negative thing and it, sh- it shouldn't really be impacting your decision-making. However, on the flip side, maybe there is that protective element that you mentioned where effective ownership is actually there to be looked at, studied and evaluated as, as a method of do we think this player is worth betting against or do we think that it's actually just a wise decision to be a part of the herd on this particular moment, as you put it earlier, and just make sure that nothing can really go wrong here. Um, Harland being a very good example of herd mentality in terms of effective ownership, 190% every single week. At the moment, that is a sensible call. No matter no matter what, most of us are going to be Harland captain, but there will be come moments later on in the season where you look at that effective ownership you think of FOMO versus what I could actually gain elsewhere and actually maybe there is a better captain game week eight might be a great example when Spurs go up against Luton the effective ownership for Haaland is still going to be 150% plus but maybe that FOMO doesn't quite outweigh the benefit that you can get from another player maybe you actually evaluate that as as a as a measurement tool to mm. see whether or not you can bet against the pack and i think it is a negative thing i don't i don't want to say that fomo is a good thing by any means but if we can quantify it and if we can almost use it and leverage it in our in our decision making then maybe we can take advantage of it in certain patches yeah i mean i think there is a there is certainly a way you can weaponize fomo and mm. that is kind of exploiting the fact that it's always kind of focused on the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So it can mean that there are individuals sort of in a in kind of the template. I think that kind of going up against Holland at the moment is a bit of an extreme example, but as you mentioned, and, and sometimes there may be kind of individual sort of occasions where you can battle that, but kind of the the negative impact if that doesn't go your way could be potentially catastrophic. Yeah. But there are kind of individuals in the team who after a while you may think, well, hang on, this guy hasn't returned for a few weeks and the whole crowd are looking at you know, messing around with a different position. Uh, someone like Mbumo for example so he's really well owned for many people um, in the engaged community at the moment I don't think I saw a single team on X that didn't have Mbumo and even wildcards I think included Mbumo I'm not saying to sell Mbumo right now but say there comes a point in the near future I mean 
he's done okay. But Brentford, I think Brentford have won one game, haven't they? This one game, so yeah, one far, game yeah. this season. They've not had the best, um, not not done the best. And if there's kind of a continued decline in Brentford, but kind of people are still busy looking at the next thing, you might think to yourself, okay, well, this is an example of a player who people have kind of forgotten about that's kind of sat in the template. Can I make a, um, can I kind of take that on uh, for a team that have got decent fixtures coming up? So you know, um, Aston Villa, for example, are a team that are high on uh, many a fixture ticker at the moment um so you've got the you know, the rb there of course that you could then kind of buy in and maybe you know even last year's uh, game week one hero uh, leon bailey could be an example of an individual might pick up as well but you know, making that move at the right time could be a way that you then sort of weaponize that fomo because people are going to be looking elsewhere uh, for other things so maybe that would be a time a way to sort of bust it but there's no sort of you know it's one of those where we, we all kind of want to have that kind of prescient foresight to be able to pick up the next big banger and it's just sometimes there's that kind of opposition between doing that putting your neck on the line but also covering your backside and you know with the likes of Alvarez perhaps less so with the likes of Son but definitely probably with um, you know the Chelsea players for example it definitely felt like you've got to make that sort of thing where if they do go off and they do sort of keep going at the rate they are going and then you want to kind of get in as early as you possibly can um and i think there's a good example this week as well um we're not going to come come quite onto the double game week yet but it was a very good example this week of course of a newcastle defense so as i said earlier on those who did go without Newcastle defender or were without Newcastle defender this week and had a really bad time of it. And you can see already in the transfers that are being made that Newcastle defence is all the rage. And you can see why as well. I think Botman's kind of nearing the 300k mark in Trippier, 250k or something like that. And you've got easy sales, you know, the likes of Chilwell, <laughs> 350,000 sales for him. Now he drops uh, last night and Botman rose last night and I was the beneficiary of that rise and banking <laughs> that 0.1 on Chilwell is a bit naughty. And uh, Gusto as well, that red card. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of comes to the next thing, doesn't it? Desperately seeking Duzan asked us. Uh, people just seem to be said to us. People seem to be full of regret after jumping on player after player out there. Is jumping on Trippier going to be the next source of regret? But I think Sam, this is another one, isn't it? Where you can kind of just stand behind it again and it's kind of it's whether we kind of see FOMO as being a pejorative thing um or whether um you know it's it, there's another sort of contemplate option which I guess we'll come on to in the FOMO busters but for me it feels very sort of I'm kind of quite pro template about the Newcastle side of it less so about the Luton side as we'll discuss but uh, with the new with Newcastle defenders particularly is I think it's rapidly approaching the point where having two of them is the best way to gain already out of them after just that one week with all the wild cards being played you've got kind of trippier now up to 35 percent ownership and um, botman kind of uh, i think he's almost 25 percent, something like that ownership we will be for the weekend uh, so any clean sheet for them you're going to want two in order to, for mm-hmm. there to be effective game <laughs> like it's it's crazy how quick the game moves but that's one where i'm kind of i am pro template and i've really kind of made the move early because like, so i need to bank that 0.1 on trippier and i look forward to his 12 pointer versus fulham yeah, I think with Newcastle defence as another example of potential FOMO, I think you have to try and separate any feeling of FOMO with the decision itself. In this instance, Newcastle are one of the best defences in the league, both statistically and in ter- terms of raw clean sheets over the last 14 months or so. Having single defence at the moment, we now know, won't give you that advantage over the crowd because they've effectively got 100% ownership in co- combination, if not more now. 
So having two is probably the only way to really stand out from the crowd there. It's whether or not you think you've got enough confidence in that Newcastle defence moving forwards. Well, when you look at the fixtures, especially coming up this week, that's a great fixture to jump on. And having two of them might not be such a bad idea just to try and give yourself that little bit of breathing room against the template. Um, I don't think it'll be much breathing room for long. I don't think it'll be a massive advantage because I think a lot of people will end up on double Newcastle defence soon. But for the time being, until that set, that wild card comes in to our minds around game week eight or game week nine, I think you might still gain a little bit more from double Newcastle defence. I don't. There is FOMO attached to not doing it, but I think you can separate the FOMO side of it from what is just fundamentally probably just a good decision statistically based on the data we have available to us and the price points as well. If you're happy enough to avoid Trippier, we're looking at sub 5 million defenders in Burn and Botman that you can easily get to, especially against by selling someone like Chilwell, who isn't even starting at the moment. And when he comes on, he's getting himself a booking every single time and what I'm now coining doing a Chilwell. Um, so... I think it's a pretty simple decision and I don't think FOMO is the reason why people would be mm. going for it, even though it could be arguably a factor. And, and I don't know whether we want to move on to Luton just yet, but I think that's a really good polarising example of what I would consider to be a FOMO-based decision versus a statistical decision. And I don't really, I don't really know what the crowd is doing yet in terms of which is the more popular move, but... I would wager that probably backing the the double game week striker is going to be more popular than bringing in a Newcastle defender this this week. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. Looking at looking at your suggestive no. shake of the head, no, nowhere near. I mean, you got um, really Morris, wow. yeah. Mor Morris is the fifth most brought in um, player, but I mean Trippier uh, and Botman um, both are the most sort of brought in guys. I think it's just a lot of it's kind of availability as well, like availability mm -hmm. of individual to move out. So those people still were carrying Chilwell. His ownership was pretty high, um, and Gusto as well. Um, I think there's a lot of probably frustrated Jackson owners um, yeah. who uh, are probably moving over to Morris now. Those who didn't buy Alvarez last week, but I mean Alvarez himself is still tracking pretty decently in the market forces data. So, um, yeah, just below um, Morris actually. And you know, Luton is Luton is just an interesting example, really. Of like, yes, we all love double game week. Etc. Etc. It's just there are so many of these which absolutely honk like those poor like poorer teams in double game week never really excite me very much. Uh, losing the fifth from bottom at the moment for uh, XG uh, overall as a team, which is you know that's, that's as as expected. And um, Carlton Morris is ninety eighth overall for non pen XG at one point one. Um, in terms of non-pen XG, he's being outscored by the likes of Levi Colwell, uh, Nathan Patterson, James Garner, Solly March. God, he's rubbish. Uh, Willie Bolly. Um, the, the list goes on. Um, and it's, it's one of those where, yes, okay, it's a decent double, but I think it's also a decent double for the teams that are playing Luton. And it's mm. one where, you know, if you're wildcarding or if you've got an easy way to get to him, I don't begrudge you doing it, especially if you've got Jackson. You're like, well, I don't really fancy Alvarez. Or you already have Alvarez and you've got kind of a free for free sort of thing going on fine absolutely do it um but it's one of those double game weeks where i, I think a lot of it is kind of that sort of butterfly effects from the decisions you've already made in the past if you haven't wildcarded recently with this 
kind of uh, game in mind um or you know you've been sat on one or two players from the very start like Kabore or something like that. that's kind of I think that suffices for this week I really do I mean maybe I'll be proved wrong and maybe Morris will um, go mental which would be great for me because I have him in my draft team um but I, I don't know I, I don't really I don't I, I can't see him reaching the high the heights of Mitrovic last year for that double I think he got to about 100 and I think he just got to kind of near 100% EO, something like that, which is kind of quite rare um, for a cheap player who's got a double. Um, it is, it's, you know, it's, it's a worthy punt, um, but it's not one that I'm going to go out of my way and go out of my plans to to, to bring this player in. And even if I was wildcarding this week, I think the way I look at it always is that unless I've got like Morris one week and a plan to move him on to somebody else, um, I, I just don't really, I just don't really like it. Um, are you worried? A little. A little. I, I think looking looking around the community at the moment, I am actually quite surprised that he's not more favoured and bought in than he has been. My personal opinion is that I don't really think I need to go for him, especially because I've got Alvarez. I don't think he's a problem. And I think it's 50-50 whether Alvarez can even potentially outscore him this week. But it is it is still two matches. He is on penalties. I think if he wasn't on penalties, I wouldn't even be slightly worried. But because that's such a noisy statistic and you can get a penalty against anyone like we saw this this week, he all he needs is that one instance, that one chance created, that one error in the box. And all of a sudden he could be looking at a 10 point haul across the two uh, across the two games. And that's without anything in open play. That's without two penalties, one in each match, for instance. So these things can happen. But looking just at the statistics is non-pen XG per 90 I think is 0.19 at the moment so if I was to double that for per 180 then we're still looking at under 0.4 I think it is uh, xg across what we'd expect two game weeks to be and even against weaker teams I still think those teams are going to be targeting three points against Luton we might be looking at one or two goals across the game week for Luton in this fixture and I might be proven wrong that that is definitely a possibility. And for someone on penalties, I'm always going to be slightly worried. But unless it fits your team structure, unless you've got a Jackson or unless you've got that third striker slot that you can easily move to him without sacrificing the likes of an Alvarez or a Watkins, if you've held this long uh, with the fixtures to come, I don't think... Morris really fits my structure, even if I'm wildcarding in two game weeks time, I don't really want to hold him next week. So I know that that's a transfer I'm going to want to make. So there are, there are instances where maybe he'll fit your structure, but personally in my team, I don't think I can get to him without making my side look worse in the long term. That doesn't mean I'm not worried. And I think FOMO is creeping in a little bit because who doesn't love a double game week, especially for a penalty taker, but I think in this in this specific situation, I'm going to avoid it and just hope that he doesn't get one of those penalties or any sort of lucky return in, in the double game week. Yeah, plus, plus Holland versus Wolves is uh, yeah, <laughs> that is it's what good it enough. is. Yeah, and I'm not. I, I don't know. I'm not concerned. And if, if, if I don't know, maybe maybe it will blow up in our faces. But you know, at least the reasoning was right. <laughs> <laughs> which is just how we uh, how we go with these sorts of things so it sounds like we're kind of pro template on a newcastle defender which is relief for me so i've really kind of gone there and uh, maybe uh contemplate on uh Luton for now i'm uh, happy with kabore and um, been, been playing really well actually and um, one mm. of the only 
one of the few Luton players with greatest respect who looks up to standard. Um, and uh, yeah, got, got fouled for the penalty this week. So no, there we go. Um, in terms of contemplate, though, so going against the template, there are, I think, some FOMO busters out there. Um, I think this is particularly relevant in midfield, especially if you are um, a Madison owner, um, just if, if he does turn out to be injured. Um, that might be something to be worried about. Um, I'm in, I, was, I love the idea that 250,000 people have sold Rodri. So, you know, um, that's that's not great. <laughs> you know, there's so many people who uh, own Rodri for, for some reason in FPL. Um, but yeah, so there's loads of midfield sort of moves going around. And if, even if you own Sterling and you're just kind of like, you know what, I just, I just want to get rid of Chelsea. And um, there are quite a few options out there. Jeff Pederas is only, is only underrated this week. And if you did want to move out of the move with the crowd rut, I think there are a few ways you could possibly go. The two kind of standout ones for me are whether you target Sheffield United or whether you target Burnley with a team that has just whooped Sheffield United. I think that's kind of the, the two ones you might go with. So target Sheffield United, obviously, you start off with likes of Bowen, who's diving header. That was that was quite... That was, that was very, sensational, very good. yeah. That was great. Sea level, on the floor, effectively. And JWP, who scored a uh, diving header last week, and especially for wildcarding soon, next to Sheffield United and then Newcastle. Uh, Bowen is 10th for non-pen XGI. Um, on the other hand, with Howell, um, Eddie Howell, that is, saying that Barnes' injury doesn't look too good. Um, you look immediately at Anthony Gordon, uh, who came on, played very well, um, pretty electric in that game. Really nice little run of pitches. Burnley, West Ham, uh, Chris Palace and Wolves, just 5.6 million. Uh, 13th as well for non-pen XGI, which surprised me. Um, very encouraging uh, underlying data thus far, uh, super mm-hmm. direct. So I think either of them, um, especially with the crowd's eyes fixed on a Newcastle defender or maybe um, Carlton Morris will uh, really rise up the uh, consideration scale as we reach kind of f- fever pitch on Friday. Uh, either of them could be kind of quite interesting little pickups, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I was really impressed by Gordon yesterday. I thought he was fantastic. And I think since since the move, he hasn't really had this much of an impressive run in the side. So I really fancy him down that left wing, especially with Barnes looking out for a little while. Newcastle all of a sudden do look like a team to be targeting with the fixtures to come. And Burnley, I think because Sheffield United are the team that have just been pumped, that it's easy to look at targeting them. But until this week, they were actually probably the fixture out of the three promoted sides that I wouldn't be as keen on targeting. They actually looked a little bit tighter, whereas Burnley have played a very open brand of football. And I think let's not forget how open they can be. Gordon against a Burnley could be sensational. So could a Callum Wilson, if we know that he's starting, by the way, as well. So... Newcastle players for this game week, I think, fantastic. It'll be hard to get more than one going forward with a lot of us going double Newcastle defence soon, and you don't want to lock yourself out of that, I guess. But Gordon, if we get news that Barnes is out for a little while, could be fantastic value for money and a bit of an enabler to try and get you across to a Salah in a couple of weeks as well, if you're not already there. So maybe he could be the guy. I also really like Bowen as well. But Big shout out to James Ward-Prowse because Sheffield United looked absolutely awful defending set pieces all game. So I kind of fancy him um, for this week. He will be licking his lips at the prospect of Sheffield United now. So maybe if you're looking at wildcarding in a couple of game weeks, he could be your man. Um, Outside of that, Neto's look pretty good as well. I think Mm. the fixtures just sadly aren't quite there for him. Um, But if you back him regardless, then fair enough, he's very cheap. 
Um, I think I'd probably favour Gordon over him, though, to be honest. I think we've got a yeah. question on that in just a second. Um, and then Everton players as well, maybe. They're pretty high on chances created. I think they're second in the league for big chances created yep. so far this season. Um, Abdullah Decore could be interesting with Luton and Bournemouth to come. You could equally be looking at one of the strikers if you don't fancy Carlton Morris. And uh, if you fancy a punt on a Calvert-Lewin or a Beto, then maybe you could be in the money there with some good fixtures. I don't think I'm brave enough to do that. Um, but yeah, some differentials for you there. I think out of all of the ones we mentioned, Gordon would be the one I'm most interested in. Uh, Bowen just after that and J James Ward-Prowse would certainly be in the mix as well. Yeah, so answered Dave Jacobson question on the Pedro Neto or Anthony Gordon. Uh, which one would you choose to enable Sellers? I think it's definitely Gordon, a better team, better attack. Mm -hmm. uh, Neto, yes, more talismanic, but in a lesser team. I, I do like the idea of um, <coughs> Abdullah Decore, actually, for some reason. I think it was just every every time I've looked at him, he's, he's gone and scored, but I've ignored him. Uh, 15th for SGI thus far this season. Uh, scored a goal this week. And with Luton and Bournemouth for the next two, if you're looking to wildcard in nine, uh, one of those sort of idle sort of short-term punch, play, playing the most advanced in the three. There's a, a Ghana and a Nana uh, behind him um, and uh, just kind of letting him get involved and wreak havoc. Um, yes, I, th I think there's definitely um, there's some scope, I suppose, there um, to make some changes um, ahead of the next game week um, or you know, the next couple of game weeks. But it very much kind of depends on your horizon at the moment, whether you're kind of thinking, well, all right, um, I'm trying to manoeuvre myself towards owning Salah uh, by game week 9 and 10. Um, I do think it's one of those sort of milestone points of the season for a lot of people. Like, even though, yes, loads of people have wildcarded, we know that, um, loads of people kind of um, may not even want Salah, uh, reasoning that other players are going off. Um, I think especially kind of as a hangover from this week when you've had the likes of you know, Son, Saka, Foden, etc., all kind of matching or beating Salah. You may be thinking, oh, you know what, it's fine. You know, I'll, be, I'll be all right. But you now when it comes to game week nine and you're staring at Liverpool having Everton, Nottingham Forest and losing the next three, I think everyone's going to think differently then. And uh, fear of Mo, um, foe Mo. Hey, um, it's going to be something which is going to come into the mixture a lot, um, which is why um, a Gordon probably would make a lot of sense for somebody. It's uh, so just betting that he stays there for the long term. But uh, if you're not an owner of Salah now, uh, I just wonder, should current owners kind of feel smug or be worried about someone they didn't own? Um, because it's every wildcard team I put together. And if you see the wild Salah teams, there's always something missing there. There's removing mm. Saka, which I saw a lot of people do this week. Um, or there's kind of having to go without a Trippier, um, which again, I saw those people going this week, uh, going with kind of a Shah and Botman, was I think was the most kind of um, popular uh, combination. Um, yeah, I think, I think wild, wild cards this week got, did get very unlucky, to be fair. Uh, but it's one of those where, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be, it kind of increasingly looks like now that the FOMO would be wildcarding to own Salah in game week nine for those two games, doesn't it? Yeah, I think with Salah, it's never been a question of whether or not he's a fantastic player. It's it's whether he's value for money at 12.5 if we're not going to captain him. And until now, with the fixtures that Haaland had, I don't think he was going to be a captain other than game week two against Bournemouth, was it? Um, for a lot of people. So I think owners who have had him since the start should be feeling a little bit smug because he's returning every single week and he is undoubtedly one of the best players you can possibly pick in FPL. It's just 
in the for the players who haven't picked him from the start, it was a case that they thought they could back against him with value elsewhere. What can we get out of two eight to nine million mids versus Salah and a budget enabler? Well, maybe we're starting to now figure out who those budget enablers could be. Anthony Gordon raising his hand at the moment. Maybe there's one or two others around, especially up front as well, that look a little bit cheaper that maybe we can use to help balance out the squad and not lose too much value elsewhere and, and take 1 million out of every single position to get to Salah. But until now, especially in my point of view, it hasn't really been clear who that budget enabler might be to help unlock Salah and keep the rest of the squad balanced. And e even at this point, even if you go for an Anthony Gordon now, long term, I'm, I'm not completely secure on his minutes at the moment. So if you've already got Salah in situ, you're undoubtedly doing quite well right now because he's he's absolutely hauling in points in two double uh, two double digit hauls in a row now, and I still feel like his ceiling's higher. I still feel like there's another level to him, so I am jealous. I do have FOMO on him, and I do want to use my wild card to get to him. But looking at wild cards week to week at the moment, I I'm losing too much of the midfield to make it worthwhile right now when there are still good fixtures for the likes of Spurs to come and you're looking at Son and Madison even Chelsea have decent fixtures for the next couple so maybe it's just not quite the time yet mm -hmm. but if you've already got him you, you're certainly feeling good about life it's just whether or not you've missed out on other players four or five million lower in price who are getting nearly as many points as him and you've been able to get in two or three of them rather than just Salah. Hmm. I mean, something to bear in mind about Salah is that, again, we've kind of seen a bit of a, a slight change in role. So he's second for hmm. non-pen XGI this season. Um, he's actually top, Sam, for um, ex expected assists. Um, he's top way uh, ahead of Bruno and Purvis' opinion. Uh, those two are joint second at the moment uh, with 3.5. His actual non-pen XG is about two. Um, Darwin Nunez is, is higher um, than Salah. Um, Salah's only kind of 18th this season for non-pen XG. So I think the, the way he's in the, the Liverpool 2.0, uh, Klopp 2.0 seems to be set up is uh, Salah kind of providing maybe less attacking, uh, less shooting um, and, and more chance creation um, compared to what we've seen in the past. I mean, that may change with personnel and how things sort of alter, but it's one to keep an eye on, especially if you don't own Salah at the moment. Yes, he's on penalties, um, but it's, it's very sort of, it's almost like a Bruno Fernandes sort of um, profile uh, in the data, at least. I'm aware there could be different players, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but something to keep an eye on, um, especially if you kind of, we may get to game week nine, get, get with 10 and have, been on a decent run and just think you know what I can just move Alvarez out for Darwin and kind of hope that I can quote unquote cover Salah because if, if you're paying 12.5 for a player who is kind of more of an assist for us assist threat than a goal threat outside of scoring penalties and there's someone who is what's that five million cheaper in the same team who tends who seems to be getting the goal scoring opportunities uh, perhaps that could be a way around it perhaps you may be able to resist the FOMO there as well I, I don't know. I, I mean, at this point, I think it's very unlikely that most people will be able to resist the FOMO. But if you haven't wildcard the jet and you've been playing with wildcard teams and you do currently own the likes of Son and Trippier, just try to fit Salah into a wildcard team um, with everybody else that you may possibly want. And you'll soon find it's actually quite difficult. Mm. Uh, whereas it's much easier if you shove Darwin in. Um, or Obviously, you've got to see the second international break coming up, isn't it? So, don't know if he's going to be playing anyway against Everton. And maybe a jostle of the slot a moment. But 
Just one to bear in mind there, really, about Salah. Uh, maybe we'll be able to kick the can even further down the road. I feel like he's inevitable. Inevitably, it'd be very kind of interesting if there's a whole season where I don't own him. I'm sure that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's it's one that uh, maybe just tempered by the relief of this week. I, I don't feel as sort of that that big compulsion to to, to sign him right now. Just because he's so much more expensive than everybody else, and as I was saying, everybody else seems to be doing all right as well. Hmm. Well, it sounds like broadly it's a, a bit of a pro template for the Newcastle boys coming in, and I'm not sure that we're going to call it FOMO. Just because, I mean, I I bought Botman in. I think a lot of that was just because every sort of wild card that I was looking at did include owning Botman. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to own him for less, and I, do, I didn't want Chelwell anymore. Yes, okay, he may well start and smash, but he will start and he will smash it against Fulham. But like. I don't know. I, I kind of just felt like it, the race was run. I didn't really want to be messing around with Chelsea anymore. Didn't want to be messing around with, uh, with, with uh, yeah, all that sort of uh, the roulette, I suppose, of who's going to play uh, and kind of thought, well, I'll get in the defender here. Um, so I think we'll probably go with, with that sort of uh, that side of the template being a good thing. Both kind of fairly not buying the hype, I guess, thus far about, about, about Morris. Uh, he's not El Phenomenino. Uh, he's not the new Ronaldo. He's just a, um, a decent-ish, high-level uh, championship striker. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it's, it's quite an interesting way of looking at it. But it, it just sounds like, a, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how long FOMO will be here to stay. I think it's just, it's just really interesting because of the way the whole years come out really because you've got price not really being a factor apart from for Salah it seems maybe Trippier as well and you could easily if you kind of run someone else's team as well you could easily have a completely different midfield and this week you know, all 10 players would have scored equitably and um, I can't really imagine remember um, how something like that before so yeah I'm interested to see how it develops and um, hopefully you know there'll be more opportunities to, to break free of the FOMO Hello. Uh, should we want to roll claims? Let's do it. And uh, since I was last on the pod, I've uh, I've got one. I'm off the board, um, which was a little bit gutting because I was off the pod when when I got got the opportunity to celebrate it. Um, but I did get one last week. I didn't this week. I don't think you did either. Um, nope. What was it? What was your bowl claim for this week? Was um, my, it... my one was Newcastle clean sheet was going to go. Uh, ah, your yeah. one was Burnley to beat United, and um, yeah. Nick was the listener claims representative this this week last week, and he predicted that Jackson sellers get punished. Uh, quite the opposite, get rewarded. Maybe we should take listener point off because that's such a <laughs> a negative point. So, so far, so far from the from the prediction. Uh, I the mean, claim, shout though, out yeah. to Jackson to get. To get suspended after six game weeks for five different uh, descent yellow cards is quite the achievement. I don't know how that's even possible. Um, but yeah, so at the moment, it's uh, Tom nil, me one, listeners one. Um, but long season to go, plenty of bold claims left to go. So shall we move on to where we're at for this week? And. Yep. I think I'm first. So I don't know how bold this one is. I, re I really back myself on this one. I think five plus goals in uh, Villa Brighton seems fairly likely. I, I quite like that one. I might even have a little flutter on it myself. Uh, both teams scoring a lot at the moment. Both teams a little bit leaky at the back as well. I think this could be a bit of a barn burner. I, I think this is also the first game 
of uh, the game week as well. So we could be off to a really interesting start to uh, game week seven. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm backing this week. Five plus goals in Villa Brighton. Not sure which way it will go, though. Yeah, so is it four four free ones in a row for Brighton either way? Having the first two games of the season before one. So <laughs> it won't take very goals. much for that to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, can see, I can see that one happening. Um I've I've gone a bit more bold, I think. Luton to score once in double game week seven and lose both matches. I think it's I'm just not particularly enamoured with with them at all. Um I don't I yeah. We haven't, even, we haven't even mentioned any Bernie players, have we? Um, no. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's just—I think it's just—it's just indicative of uh, the, the low feeling I've got about this particular double game week. So yeah, uh, losing to score once, double game week seven, and never be sort of a Morris sort of penalty or something. I'm sure, and for them to lose both matches. I mean, I, I'm just not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all um, if Everton beat them and then they lost to Burnley. <laughs> I just just would not be shocked by that at all. So that's where I'm going to go. And then listening questions we will ask for on Friday. Great. Um, not listening questions. Listen to claims we'll ask for on Friday. Rightio. Uh, on to questions, though. The listening questions, which we will take now. Um, just a few this week. Uh, Neil Gupta. Um, are we too fixture obsessed this season? Should we revert to looking at form instead? I, I suppose it's one of those where it's, it's early doors, isn't it, Sam? It's quite difficult to um, give much uh, beyond just kind of, okay, there are good fixtures coming up. Everything's kind of quite up in the air at the moment. I'm just going to kind of go with that. Yeah, I think good fixtures do help to breed form as well. So in in the early season when you don't you have limited information on these players, following the fixtures as an indicator of where form could come from next is a good way of getting ahead of the crowd, as we mentioned earlier. But there is also something to be said for just looking at pure form as well, how how good a player is, how well they're doing, especially if we know that from seasons past as well. If we've got plenty of information on a player, regardless of the fixtures being a high quality player that we know and we trust, Saka being a great example of that sort of player, then we can probably ignore the fixtures that little bit more and just back the player over the fixtures. But I think early season, I'm pretty happy to look at the fixtures as an indicator of where we can go next. Not the be all and end all, but certainly a factor in my decision making. Um, But it's one of several different factors that you look uh, look at when making a decision. Um, but there are a lot of teams that are pretty easy to target at the moment. The promoted sides, all three of them look like sides that you could easily pick a player fr- from those fixtures ahead, looking ahead. If they've got two of those promoted sides in the next three or four, then maybe backing a player that's going up against them is a good way of trying to get ahead of the crowd. But no, it, it's certainly not the be all and end all form. Um, it, if you believe in the term form or not, um, a player is high quality against anyone, then I think you can still go for them regardless of the fixtures. But I certainly wouldn't dismiss fixtures altogether. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think it, it goes back for me to price being pretty irrelevant. Like it, mm. it just creates a sort of liquidity in the market to sort of just break into work me for a second because, like, we are like kids in the sweet shop, which is having a giveaway at the moment. Like, we're able to move players in and out as we please. Um, uh, maybe, maybe we are kind of concerned a little bit about individuals kind of having in the, like cash store, but it's not that much. Like, I, I don't really think any player has has risen that much have they this season thus far and especially midfield like you've just got so much capacity to buy him a next shiny shiny toy gun every time uh, 
especially because Salah's not been in the conversation. It was starting to be. Um, but so far this season, it's just been so easy, as we've seen for the likes of Mbume, the likes of Sterling, the likes of Son uh, and, and Madison as well. It's just been so easy to bring these players in at will that I think it's just kind of meant that we've kind of just used fixtures <laughs> to to be kind of a, hopefully a predictor for what's going to happen. And that's that's fine. That's kind of what, what you always do, really. I mean, there's those people who fall down on either side. I'm I'm kind of um, actually in the middle. Um, sometimes I do kind of think it's best to keep hold of a player if they're performing well. They don't, I've had so many bad experiences of throwing the baby up the bathwater and selling players just when they're coming into quote-unquote bad fixtures um, only to find that they've kind of continued it. A few years ago, for selling Kane and Son on a wild card, I remember doing uh, on the early wild card when they were having quite unquote tougher fixtures, and they continued to drip along. That's 2018-19. It was those two, Bruno and Salah, in the 200 clubs. So, I mean, yeah, an extreme example. Um, but I think that we kind of see that an awful lot. So, yeah, um, I think I don't think we're doing anything wrong at the moment by being too fixture obsessed thus far just because the season's in its infancy and um, but as it goes further along you, you the i guess the decisions get tougher don't they sam i'm trying to kind of I, it's, it's goldfish bowl brain isn't it like you forget what happened last season so quickly but i'm sure towards kind of the 20s and 30s you were starting to look at players and think well you know he served me well but is it time for him to go and um, because another player is coming into good fixtures i, it, I guess it, it's more of a question later on when we've got kind of a a more verifiable body of data. I remember mm. that. Yeah, I think that's about right, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the art of FPL, isn't it? That's how you get to a good rank at the end of the season, making those decisions when a player is about to go off the boil and find a player just before they start hitting those heights. And fixtures are a good indicator of where we can maybe look at changing things up and refreshing our side but it's also knowing when not to make those calls and when not to throw the baby out with the bathwater like you mentioned and getting those decisions right more often than not will be what leads you to a good rank at the end of the season so there's no there's no be all and end all answer for this that that you can either yes I, I will also always attack fixtures or no I will always just back the players that have served me well so far it's picking those battles individually and trying to find other indicators of whether you think a player is probably going to be worth getting rid of or whether regardless of the fixtures you think that they're just going to continue performing no matter what and that is in my view what gets you that really good rank at the end of the season yeah definitely all about timing and mine has <laughs> always been rather off uh next question fpl death star is raheem sterling just a total jerk <laughs> seriously <laughs> what do we do with the man and um, yes very, very one of those questions um that i guess many of us have been wondering ourselves after buying in sterling too late <laughs> after he's played luton and uh, suffering through i mean he has been unlucky and um, got unlucky this week as well um have much match of the day and uh, not to uh, not not to register again, but if, I mean, looking at the data, it's in terms of like non uh, non pen per ninety data, it's kind of kind of nowhere really. And um, non pen XGI, he's doing all right. You know, he's kind of in the twenties and um, being outstated for that by uh, Duke, the Duke Ducore that we mentioned earlier on, uh, Dom Slanky, Awani, I mean, all of these sort of individuals. Um, and it's safe to say, it's just it's just not really happening for Chelsea at the moment and with Jackson out I guess Breuer is going to have to play don't know what his fitness is going to be and there were there were times um in the last game where you saw Sterling sort of being forced to lead the line a little bit which it does it, well, it's pretty preposterous really because of how little he is 
I'm likely going to be benching Sterling this week. <laughs> I think I've got, we'll talk about it when we come on to it, but at the moment, he looks like the one who's going to be the odd one out for me. And I'm kind of all right with that. In fact, like I'm kind of quiet quitting him because next week, if all goes to plan, I'll be moving him on for probably for a one-week pump before our wildcard in nine, but you know, that's all up in the air. I'm yeah, I'm very tempted to to, to bench him this week um, and just kind of think, you know what, I trust my trust my eyes a little bit because that's what we've got to go on at the moment. Yes, I know Fulham are um, yes not the best uh, team in the world. I think they're you know, doing all right, aren't they? In terms of um, in terms of XGA, um, yeah, doing no, they're not fur from bottom for XGA. So no, yeah, not. I was about to say, and, I, think, uh, I yeah. think they're quite low. <laughs> And uh, Chelsea are doing fairly well actually for XG, um, but haven't actually managed to turn that into anything yet. It's just the five goals from 11.5 XG this season. So, I mean, there is an element of being due, but also there's you can kind of see why it's not happened for Chelsea, I suppose. And maybe it's going to be one of those stats, not anomalies, like a, a catch up bottle, um, which will kind of filter itself out. But yeah, you know, at the moment, he's um, one that I'm kind of going to just convert convince myself doesn't exist he'll be stuck on my bench first bench and probably will sell on next week for a one week punk what do you reckon yeah. yeah that's absolutely fair enough i'd have no problem with anyone selling him at this point um he is very frustrating to own right now i think if i didn't have him he wouldn't be anywhere near my consideration but the fact is i do i do have him in my team at the moment so i'm trying to look for any reason to keep him when maybe there are other issues i need to resolve first especially with the next couple of fixtures still being pretty decent until i wildcard i think there are other avenues i can explore and the most recent fixture game week six a, a lot of it won't show up on the data but he was unlucky not to get the assist for um the offside goal as well so that could that could have been points and then he was also through on goal did get saved but that was also called offside as well so that won't show up in the data either so i think there, it, there are chances coming for him. And I, I think if if I had no other moves to make in the next couple of weeks, he would probably be leaving anyway, regardless of the chances that he's creating. But because there are just those little green shoots and the XG for Chelsea isn't bad at the moment, I think there are other things that I need to resolve first. And hopefully me holding on to him is a differential that pays off in the next couple of weeks. But mm. I can completely see why people are looking to get rid of him at the moment because he is being fr incredibly frustrating. Maybe not as bad as Chilwell because Chilwell's not even starting the matches anymore, but certainly of that ilk. And yeah, I, I, the only reason he's probably staying for me is because I'm almost using it as a differential because people are getting rid of him and I've got other moves I want to prioritise, especially next week. Um, I'll come on to my potential transfers in a moment, but I think with the fixtures and the fact that his stats aren't bad and maybe the fact that mm. some of them are, some of his moments aren't actually showing up on the stats because of marginal offsides, I'm going to try and hold on to him in the hope that we see something better from him in the next two game weeks. But yeah, I mean, he, he is a jerk <laughs> and I want, I want him to score very, very soon. Otherwise that was a really big mistake um, a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, certainly was. Right. So FPL Koboloi, um, quick one. Um, start burnt the hero Leno versus Chelsea or Alphonse Ariola versus Sheffield United. He says Alphonse Ariola has not, not kept a clean sheet for him yet. Um, yeah. I mean, I looked at the, um, I looked at the goalkeeper data, um, you know, the, the post for the post save XG uh, prevented sort of thing, and uh, Ariola's actually 
uh, we all know Leno's very good at the, the very good at them saves, um, but he and Ariola are really really close in that data. So I just be minded to go with the fixture there. Um, mm. As we mentioned, Chelsea are still doing all right in terms of um, the underlying XG data, uh, whereas Sheffield United are not. <laughs> so um, I, I'd probably just stick in Ariola there. Anything to add? Yeah, yeah, same as you. Um, yeah. I don't think. Leno against Chelsea is a terrible fixture to have at the moment with Chelsea flattering to deceive. But overall, yeah, I'd back the fixture. Sheffield United don't look like a team that are up to much going forward. Again, they'll probably now hit three or four. Now I've said that. But looking purely at the data, I'd back Ariola. Cool. All right. Uh, three more questions. So Vardy boys, is it worth? is it still worth bringing Alvarez if you're tripled up on City already? No, I'd, I'd leave that one, I think. It's very than Diaz and Holland. No, leave that one. Um, FPL Mayer, if you could only have one, would you have Son or Salah? Well, that's interesting. Um, where would you lean? Yeah, this is a tough one. When I saw this one coming, I, I did have a second trying to figure out where my thoughts are at on this. I think because I, in my personal situation, because I think I'm wildcarding around game week nine, I'd be prioritising Son first. Um, I do quite fancy him in this game week as well. If you've got him, I think you're in a great position against Liverpool. And then obviously Luton in game week eight as well is a captainable asset then. And he does look explosive. Um, we know how good a finisher he is. And crucially, he's three to 3.4, 3.3 million less mm -hmm. than Salah. And I think that is the difference at the moment. He's much more accessible for us, whereas Salah probably means you're ripping apart your side if you don't already have him and making two or three transfers to accommodate him. In the long term, that will probably pay off and pay dividends. Um, but in the short term, especially in my personal situation where I'm looking at wildcarding soon, I would probably favour Son right now. And then if we revisited that question around game week nine or game week 10, that mm. answer then probably changes to Salah because I can get to him without having to completely rip apart my team, take a minus four, minus eight to get there. And the fixtures will favour him better at that point. But for now, probably Son. Yeah, I think the same. Oh, I can, I can. If especially if Son stays at the number nine and Spurs keep producing the chance, especially if they can keep Madison fit, I, I don't know. I, I can, I can see Son doing again very well this year. Two hundred point, two hundred point club again could match yeah. Salah for the price. You know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Like we all love an out of position midfielder. Um, and Santa, there's a price difference as well to factor in. So the value is kind of squarely in Son's favour if he continues playing at number number nine role, which he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's nailed down for the first 70 minutes until he gets subbed off around the 75 minute mark, which seems to be kind of what's going on at the moment. But yeah, um, I, I think it would, it would be Son for me um, for now. I don't know whether that's kind of going to persist throughout the whole season. As you say, Sam, there's going to be an element of reconsideration um, around um, around game week nine and ten um, when the, when the fixtures change. Um, but, I mean, given how Spurs are playing, it really does feel like having one or two is that one or two of them midfielders and principally Son is good. I mean, their fixture run is like they don't really get kind of a net bad fixture run up until kind of until like game week thirty two something like that. Like they've got a really good run of fixtures. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's just, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 he's one that um, I, I like because he's locked out of most wildcarders' teams. Like, I I haven't really seen anyone who's included him on their wildcard. And I think that would be very difficult for someone who's wildcard already to get Son because you likely have you know, a lot of your resources tied up in Salah. I, I think he's quite a nice differential for those of us who haven't wildcarders. And it may be that by the time we get to game week nine, game week 10, 
that the, the you know, kind of everything might the landscape may have shifted and may think, oh, you know what, this guy because he smashed it um, against Arsenal, he scored it. I, I, I don't really, I, I wouldn't bet against him against Liverpool. And mm. then you got Luton. Like, oh, well, I wouldn't be surprised if something, you know, we've got to make other sub, uh, other sacrifices, or maybe just uh, kind of eschew the wildcard altogether to keep him. So. Yep, I mean, I, I know what Salah is, and um, at the moment I'm, I'm with you. It's probably someone over the next two, and then we'll just see how it goes from there. Um, yeah. Interesting. Uh, final question this week, Dr. FPL, rank your carbs from favourite to least favourite. Uh, bread, rice, pasta, potato, and noodles. Uh, should we just uh, say our favourite and least favourite here rather than ranking? Because uh, <laughs> we're over the hour already. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, I love all of these. If I could have all five, I would. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, anyone who knows me through like secondary school college and then especially university knows that i lived off of pasta so um right. yeah pasta would probably be my favorite oh i've i've it's close between potatoes and noodles i think you can eat i i feel if i i, I could eat noodles every day all day long i just love like ramen I've, i think mm. i have it every time i'm drunk it's like the perfect sort of foods for me it's like a nice salty broth of nice ramen in it and these days i have a lot of ramen as well with a little bit of spice to it but oh yeah so good um no, but i do love potatoes like i love love jack potatoes and love that kind of and you can it's so versatile as well you can do so many good things with potatoes so yeah it's, it's close to you in those two um i don't i i, I like breads but I don't like, love bread. If that makes sense. It kind of it, it performs a function <laughs> to, to 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 bookend nice things. So and and it's also kind of the most fascinating for the least sort of niceness to it. So probably mm -hmm. that'd be my least favorite. I think. So yeah, yeah, pro probably. I can't believe we're having a serious conversation no, no, about this. Right, um, I, I think if if it was potatoes without the chips side to it, it'd probably be potatoes at the bottom. But all of that comes into it so yeah um probably just about bread for me but to be honest i love them all anything carby i'll have so know, so yeah terrible. great question <laughs> yeah as, as i've gotten older I've, I've had to you know try to try to add more exercise in to placate my love of carbs so there we go right transfers and captains endless madness let's do it right you're first on this week i believe yep i'm first um so i've already done uh Mr. Chilwell out, so Mr. Botman in, and so it doubles me up on Newcastle defence at the back. Um, I've got Kabore as my sole uh, double game week interest. Estupinian um, in midfield, Son, Bumo, Rashford, and Saka. I'm playing the 4 4 2 this week uh, with Hall and Captain and Alvarez. Um, that means that Sterling is on the bench. Um, I'm not sure that's going to remain that way. I've got a choice between Sterling, Estupinian, and Bumo. I think out of those for who I put on the bench, I'm not sure I can bench Rashford, even though. Um, he's not the sort of testy one we didn't we didn't really talk about but he's another one that i think is kind of he wouldn't be in a wild card team that i put together put it that way um mm. and I, I think it's just about sterling at the moment who goes on the bench just because of uh, this is a bit cowardly but because he's got lower rio so it doesn't matter if he does well um but it would matter if he did well for me but it, it matters less that he does well compared to if i venture his opinion and um, who if he gets one attack and returns in amongst the bonus immediately um, mm -hmm. and and then you've got bumo and and a misfire in brentford too so yeah i mean i i hate bench headaches i hate having done this to myself um but it's just what happens when you've got kabore uh, 
there to play with. And I thought that, as I said earlier on, having that double Newcastle defence is the only way you were going to gain. Um, so cue a Burnley goal, of course. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's me this week. Um, I'm sure I'll have a few more thoughts regarding uh, what happens with um, with that with that benching headache. Um, and you know, if there is a, if there is an injury in the midweek, I'm aware of the risks. Um, I've got well, I've got a wild card to play, so every wild card chicken um, continuing on over the next kind of few weeks. Uh, so yeah, that's me. What about you? Nice. Uh, well, I'm still three five two. Uh, so Anana and goal um, ahead of Turner. I think that's a fairly straightforward call this week. Uh, Asupinian, Trippier, and Kabore at the back. Um, at the moment, I'm benching Saliba away at Bournemouth, which doesn't feel great, but I just don't think the upside is there. That maybe mm. keep a clean sheet, but I prefer to back Estupinian for the attacking returns. I think there's marginally a better chance of that over a clean sheet away at Bournemouth for Arsenal. Um, so I think I'm pretty set on that. And also he's a nice first bencher to have in case any yeah. injuries do crop up. Um, in midfield, I've gone five across. So it's Mbwemo, Saka. I am starting Sterling. I'm praying that he starts to actually return against Fulham. Um, Rashford and Foden away at Wolves. Um, and then up front, completing my Man City triple attack is Alvarez and Haaland with the armband. Uh, on my bench, like I said, I've also got a doggy and Mabama who are going to be going nowhere. Pretty easy benches for this week. Um, I'm looking at rolling the transfer. Um, I could get to a Morris for free. I could sell Sterling for a Bowen, which could be interesting. And equally, if I hear news that Foden is randomly benched for whatever reason, then maybe that's a move I make. Or I could move a week early on getting in a Spurs player because next week I'm looking at using both my free transfers before the wild card on Madison and Son, for example, um, against Luton. And I think the payoff of that over bringing in Morris this week or Bowen this week, for example, is arguably higher um, or bringing in a Newcastle defender mm. um, at the moment, especially when I'm pretty happy with the three I'm playing at the back anyway. Um, so I think I'm rolling at, as it stands, but I'll have a, I'll have a look at um, the upside of some of those different differentials we, we mentioned earlier, because one or two of them do sound pretty tempting, um, especially if Foden does um, get benched randomly, which we know he's always, there's yeah. always a chance. So I'll, injuries, I'll keep my yeah. eye I'll keep my eyes on moves, put it that yeah. way. With the injuries, you should be right there. No, it'd be interesting yeah. to see if you don't. I think I think maybe when like, when you do look at it, it'd be interesting to see what you think when you see that loads of people end up with double Newcastle defence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's kind of what I was anticipating a little bit. Um, but yes, you end up with, who do I bench? Which is kind of where you end up with me. It makes sense that you're rolling it though. I've got Son in situ and I'll probably get Madison if, as long as he's fit. Um, so yeah, similar paths, but just slightly different teams. Cool. All right. Hopefully that gets us out of our red arrow malaise. I really hope so. Um, yeah, well, on that note, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we were who got the assist. Uh, you can find us online on X at WGTA underscore FPL or myself at FPL Pricey um, and on Instagram slash threads at uh, WGTA dot FPL or again, I'm FPL Pricey on there as well. If you enjoyed the pod, please, if you could do one or all of the following, uh, such as giving us a follow on those socials, uh, giving 
giving the pod a five-star rating wherever you're listening would be absolutely fantastic. And if you're watching on YouTube, if you could leave a like and subscribe to the channel, uh, that would be absolutely fantastic and really, really appreciated. It really does help get the pod out there. Um, finally, uh, the mini league code, which we are still leaving open until game week 10. So you've still got a little while to get involved there. The code is M-I-N-L-U-D. So uh, yeah, do make sure you join in that before we close it off in game week 10. Oh, thanks, Sam. I hope we assist you this week to think about FOMO. I've got FOMO. I really want a beer, but I'm not going to be able to do it. I've got to be, got to be, got to be up in B places tomorrow morning, sadly. But next week, next week, Sam, I'll be back to my usual barnstorming beard up self. Uh, yes, speak to you next week. Have a good week. And yes, enjoy. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.